thank you for that uh, introduction. Um, so if you don't know, my name is John Trumbull, and uh, as you already mentioned, I was just ordained a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, so this is really the first time I get to preach, actually, since I was ordained. Um, and uh, it was a bit scary, in case you were wondering, um, <laughs> sitting in, in front of all those pastors, and they're giving me questions left and right, and trying to think on my feet, what are the answers? <laughs> um, and basically, they just decided that um, I'm not a heretic, and uh, <laughs> I'm someone that they can have fellowship with, so uh, that's good. Um, <clears throat> it is good to be with you this morning, um, and I'm glad that you're here. Uh, there's so many churches that are empty. They're, I mean, all over the place. Uh, yesterday, um, we were at our church where handing out uh, gospel tracts and letterboxing and went past three different churches and um, they weren't full then and they're probably still empty now um, because very few people actually believe enough to attend and um, so I applaud you on coming this morning and I'm also quite um, encouraged by the fact that uh, most of you have brought Bibles um, that is an encouragement um, I know that it's easy to forget, uh, but when something's important, it's easy to remember. And it's good to see that all of you have brought your Bibles with you and are um, interested in God's Word. Uh, this morning, we will be looking in Zechariah chapter 7. I'm kind of glad the Bible reading was there so that... Uh, Hopefully you can find it very uh, quickly. Zechariah, it's near the end of the Old Testament. It's the last book, bar one. You may wonder, what is uh, the reason to look into the Old Testament? We've been given several in the New Testament. Why the Old Testament was useful, how it pointed us to Christ, um, how the Old Testament gives us examples that we should follow. But specifically, when we talk about the prophets like Zechariah and Malachi and Haggai, these men, they were interested in the heart of the people of Israel. They weren't there trying to get things done. Ezra, Nehemiah, they wanted to build a temple or to build a wall. And God used them to even turn the hearts of the people back to himself, but these prophets are often called minor prophets. Their books are shorter, that's why they're minor. Uh, but these prophets wanted to get the heart of the people turned back to God, and truly it was the most difficult time in Israel's history. They had been punished by God, and it was a very horrific punishment. Many, many, many Israelites, both from the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, had died. They were dragged off in chains to Babylon. They were treated horribly. There were several occasions where they were almost wiped out again. Think of Haman and Esther. Uh, they, were, they were on the brink of being wiped out over and over again. They were under this severe punishment, and all the time they knew it was their own failure. And even when they came back to the land, everything was destroyed. Israel was no longer the promised land overflowing with milk and honey. It was now a place with broken down cities. 
It was a place where there was no crops planted. They had to start again. 70 years of being a wilderness. It was a hard uh, task ahead of them. So here they were coming, huge, daunting task. Here they were, they've returned from uh, captivity. They've returned from the judgment of God, and they're still discouraged. When you have ever been in that situation where you are discouraged, where you know you've done wrong, and even after you feel like you've been forgiven, you still aren't happy. (laughs) That's often where we find ourselves. We failed God. And these minor prophets were trying to grab the hearts of the Israelites and turn them back to God to get them excited about serving God again. Zechariah began his ministry two months after Haggai. So their ministries overlapped almost the entirety of their ministry. And his first um, messages included a bunch of prophecies that encouraged the hearts of the people of Israel and helped them to turn back to God. And all throughout it, um, in in chapter 2 especially, there is a lot of return to God. God is calling out for you to return. Repent of your sins and turn to God. A few years later, Zechariah gets another word from God. Uh, This is where we pick it up in Zechariah chapter 7. Zechariah is given a word from God. And do pay attention to this first verse. It says that the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah in the fourth day of the ninth month, even in Chislu. It was a very specific time. This is not that Zechariah had a general feeling that God was maybe speaking to him. No, God had a very specific word for him at a very specific time. And this was, as I already mentioned, about two years after his first um, prophecies. But the part I want you to mainly focus on there out of verse 1 is that this is the word of the Lord. We're going to see throughout this short chapter that God's word is what is important here. God spoke to Zechariah, and we'll see in verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, uh, Verse 7, Should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried? And we can continue on like that, but the main focus of this chapter is the word of the Lord. God had a specific message for them. God has this same message for us. So now let's see what this message is. In verse um, 4, his message begins. Then came the word of the Lord of hosts to me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, Even those seventy years, did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? And when ye did eat, and when ye did drink, did ye not eat for yourselves, and drink for yourselves? 
Zechariah's question, well, it's a question from the Lord, but the question Zechariah is asking is, was your mourning, your sadness throughout those 70 years while you were in Babylon, was that really for me or was that for yourself? You see, Israel, they were mourning and they knew it was their fault, but they were sad that their temple was burnt. They were sad that their houses were broken down. They were sad that they no longer had a king and that their armies were destroyed. They were not sad about their sin. They were not sad that they had offended a holy and righteous God. Why did this word come to the people of Israel at this time? Well, it's because of the question they had. We have to go back a few verses, and we see uh, there was those two really hard names in verse 2, Shezrezer and Rejim Melek. The reason they're hard is because they're foreign names. They're even foreign for the Bible times. They were Babylonian names. These were men whose names meant servant of the king. Uh, At least Regim Melek meant that, servant of the king. And uh, Shezrezer was uh, another title, an official. So these were not just men coming from Babylon. They weren't just Israelites coming from Babylon. They were men of position. In fact, you wonder if maybe these might be some of the men who later, 40 years or so later, report to Nehemiah and cause Nehemiah to have that great burden to come and rebuild the walls because he also was a servant of the king in Babylon. Uh, But we see here they have a question. They came and they asked the question of the priest. They said, should I weep in the fifth month separating myself as I have done so these many years. They came worshiping God and asking the question, do we still need to fast? Do we still need to mourn as we have done on the fifth month? Now, the interesting thing about this is this particular fast was not one that was prescribed in the Old Testament. This was not a fast that God had said they needed to do. This was a fast commemorating the burning of the temple. This was a fast that obviously they would be very sad and affected that the temple had been burnt down, that Jerusalem had fallen and the temple had been burnt down. And in the seventh month, they um, had a a fast because their governor, after the last king had died, the governor that they had appointed was murdered by the Babylonians, uh, Gedaliah. And so they, they mourned that as well in the seventh month. Both of these fasts were not ordered by God. And yet these men came asking the question, should we continue? They had done these fasts religiously every year. And they had afflicted themselves And they had thought themselves to be spiritual doing this. 
Notice they went to the priest to ask this question because they figured they were pleasing God by mourning over the destruction of the temple. The destruction of the temple truly was a bad thing. But as I already hinted at, there was a bigger problem that they should have really been mourning about for 70 years. There was a bigger problem. They had not honored God for all of those hundreds of years leading up to the captivity. And because of that, they had been taken away. It was not because the temple was destroyed that they should mourn, but rather because of their relationship with God. And so God's answer comes through Zechariah. Zechariah's answer, did ye fast unto me? Even today, when we think of someone who is ultra-spiritual, someone who is dedicated to God, we often uh, will say that about someone that they are someone who fasts and pray. You know, we hide, hold that up as a very high thing. And truly, if you have ever been um, burdened by God to pray to such an extent where you will skip meals, then that is a good thing. But fasting doesn't gain us any favor with God. It doesn't. It doesn't gain us favor for salvation, nor does it gain us some sort of bragging rights or favor with God that we can twist him to our will. Rather, fasting is an opportunity for us to recognize that it is God who is more important than me. We have here in verse 6, God's accusation that they were eating for themselves and drinking for themselves. Even when we eat and drink, which is the normal, I hope that's normal for you anyway, uh, we have our morning, afternoon, and evening meals. Eating and drinking should not be just to satisfy ourselves but rather it should be for the purpose of glorifying God. We cannot do the things God wants us to do if we are weak and hungry. We cannot focus on God if we are starving. So we should praise God when we are coming to eating and drinking. What is it instead of eating and drinking or fasting that God wanted the people of Israel to do? What was it that he wanted them to focus on for 70 years in Babylon? What was it that God had wanted them to do all those years leading up to Babylon? He explains it starting in verse 7. He says, Should ye not hear... Or have heard the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets. What God wanted was for the people to listen to the cry of the prophets. Here Zechariah is a new prophet at that time. Obviously he's been dead a few uh, a thousand years now. Um, but... Uh, at that time, he was the new prophet. And he was pointing back and saying, you should have been listening to the old prophets. 
and our fathers should have obeyed them. And then he points out the difference between those, the people in that day and the people of uh, his time, uh, Zechariah's time. He says, Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity. The cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south and the plain. Basically, there was every reason in the world to praise God. Every reason in the world to listen to his prophets. God was blessing. God blessed Israel for thousands of years. He gave them victory in battle. He gave them full harvests. And continually they turned his back, their back on him. They turned their back on his prophets. They would not listen to the word of the prophets calling them back. Calling them back to God. You may say, well, we're not Israel. No, but we have the same problem. <laughs> uh, because we're people. This is a problem that the people, before they had gone to Babylon, while they were in Babylon, after they got out of Babylon, had this problem. They didn't want to hear God's word. They didn't want to listen and obey to God calling them. They didn't want to do good. They wanted to have a form of godliness without actually trying to be like God. They wanted to do fasting, look sad, put on a sad face and say, I'm really pious. I'm serving God. But they didn't want to do what God asked them to do. This is the same failing that all people have. <laughs> we turn our backs on God. Whether we uh, have been saved one year or 101 years, <laughs> the temptation is to say, God, I'm doing my service for you. These are the things I want to do for you. I have set my own standard. I will be at church, you know, five minutes before at least. You know, here's my standard for things I'm going to do. And yet we neglect to do the things that God has asked us to do. Verse 8, God gives another word to Zechariah. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying... Now, we already mentioned this, but this is the fourth time it talks about the word of the Lord coming. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I think maybe he's trying to give us a point here. <laughs> this is God's word. <laughs> this isn't just for Zechariah or from Zechariah. This wasn't just to the people of Israel. This is to us. Verse 9. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment. Show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Oppress not the widow nor the fatherless, the stranger nor the poor. These are all things that are mentioned in the law. They were commanded by Moses not to oppress the stranger or the poor. They were commanded to be good to the fatherless and to help the widow. But notice that last phrase in verse 10. And let none of you. And I think this includes us too. 
Let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. This sounds an awful lot like what Jesus said. That if we have anger against someone and hatred towards someone, we have murdered them in our hearts. Even in the Old Testament, the standard was not follow these particular rules, do outward things, and you will be pleasing to God. Instead, even in the Old Testament, there was a focus on the heart attitude that the people needed to have. Do not have any evil imagination against your brother in your heart. How easy is it to think a bad thing about somebody? Maybe someone sitting across the aisle from you. <laughs> you say, oh, that person, you know, they, they do this or that, and it's, you know, that annoys me. Or you think in your heart, if only they would change their behavior because what they're doing isn't as good as what I'm doing. No, this is don't imagine evil against your brother in your heart. Instead, you need to focus on doing the right things, executing true judgment, showing mercy and compassion to your brother. Um, just as a side note, it is often hardest to be kind to your siblings. I have had a few siblings, and it was always difficult. They knew exactly which buttons to push, <laughs> and they would push them, and I would get upset. Uh, it is very easy to be angry with your brother or your sister. And here, Zechariah is saying, uh, God is saying, show mercy and compassion to your brother. Well, I assume that means to your sister as well. Okay, kids, that doesn't let you out. You have to be kind to your brothers and your sisters. <laughs> These are things that God wanted from his people, and they had not done them. Uh, we don't have time today to look back at all of the different uh, passages that these two verses point back to out of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah, where God specifically called for his people to not oppress the widow and fatherless, to have mercy one to another. He continually called out to them to turn from the evil things that was in their hearts and to turn to him. But they refused. In verse 11, we see their response. This was before Babylon. This was while they were in Babylon. And this was after they had returned to the land of Israel. They refused to hearken and pull away the shoulder. Uh, I do like the pictures sometimes in these Old Testament passages. You know, you have that they... They refused to hearken. That means they, they said, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. And they pulled away the shoulder. You can almost see the prophet reaching out and coming up to someone and saying, let me tell you, let me tell you the truth. And they pulled away. They pulled away their shoulder away from the prophet. They pulled away their shoulder, more importantly, away from God. In fact, they pulled away so much that it is as if they turned their back 
on God. They stopped their ears that they should not hear. They made their hearts as an adamant stone. That's just a really hard stone. Um, if Zachariah was around today, we all say that diamond is the hardest. So he would have said a diamond heart. They made their hearts hard like diamond. Hard like an adamant stone. Impenetrable. Can't break it. Super hard. Our hearts will also become hard like an adamant stone if we stop our ears or if we pull away from doing those things which God has called us to do. And just so you know, God often comes to us with the small things first. Be merciful to your brother. Show compassion. Help those who are weak. Uh, he comes to us with those things first. Obey God. If not, your heart will get harder. Zechariah then says in verse 20, This is why great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. And God stopped up his ears that he would not hear. And he scattered them throughout the nations like a whirlwind. Uh, scatters things. So, I mean, you guys have seen little dust devils or whatever, and they kind of pick up little bits of dirt and they throw them every way. The people of Israel was smashed to pieces and thrown around all over. And because of that, the land was desolate. Verse 14, the land was desolate after them. No man passed through, and they, for they had laid the pleasant land desolate. Notice here, God did not blame the Babylonians. This would have been an opportunity for God to say, yeah, those Babylonians, they came and destroyed you. He didn't. He said it was your fault, Israelites. That's why you do not have the blessings that God promised you. That's why the land that God gave you was destroyed. As Christians, we have many blessings promised us. Promised us of God that we will be able to have a life that is lived for God. The Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us. We have many promises of a future home in heaven. We also have many blessings that we can receive. Crowns of righteousness and, and all of those other crowns that are promised to someone who overcomes in this life. But all of those blessings can be destroyed if we will not follow God, if we will not obey Him, if we will not open our ears to hear His word. Zechariah was given a word, a word from God. They had been asked the question, should we fast? Should we pray? Should we do these religious things anymore? I mean, after all, the temple's being rebuilt. Do we need to still fast and pray? Zachariah's answer is, you have never fasted and prayed. You haven't been reaching God with your prayers. Your heart's 
have been unwilling to do what God has told you. You have been hard. You have been unresponsive to God. Uh, Just so that we can get another uh, picture on this, we'll uh, turn to Luke chapter 5. Because Jesus was asked a very similar question. In fact, it's almost word for word, um, the question. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33. It says, And then they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees? But thine eat and drink. What was Jesus' answer? His answer was, and he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bridegroom fast, a, a bride chamber fast, while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Jesus' answer was, they don't need to fast and pray, I'm right here. (laughs) The only reason for fasting and prayer um, from the disciples of John and the uh, Pharisees was to look forward to that coming Messiah, to meet with God. But he was there. They didn't need to fast and pray to have fellowship with God. Uh, Jesus is promised there that when he was gone, when he was taken away, then they would fast. Um, I'm not saying this is a command that we all have to fast. Because fasting is when we don't have God with us. The question is, are you in fellowship with God? If not, fast and pray. Get on your knees. Beg God to meet with you. Beg God to open his word to you that you'll understand it. Ask him for the power to do what he has told you to do. You say, but I can't stand that person. I can't show mercy. I can't show compassion. Beg God. Get on your knees. Fast and pray if you have to. Just get in fellowship with God. That is the only way. That is the only way. That we can please God. Godliness, or if you will, holiness, is not about do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship between you and God. It's about having a clean life so that you have power over sin in your own life. You cannot get power except through God. Personally, I think verse 35 there is talking about that time between when Jesus left and ascended up into heaven and the Holy Ghost came down because the disciples, after they had the Holy Ghost in them, they could put away mourning, couldn't they? They no longer had to mourn. They had a comforter who was with them. We need... God in our lives. As I already said, it's wonderful to see so many here, 
but there are empty chairs, aren't there? And you know what? There are people in your neighborhood. There are friends, family, and there are uh, people that you work with that need to be here. They need to hear God's word. They need to come to Jesus as a savior. What are you doing about it? God's one command to Christians is go make disciples. Are you doing it? I hope you are. Obey God. God is more concerned with our obedience with our heart attitude towards him than about any outward actions we take. Let us truly seek God lest we face his judgment, see all of our blessings destroyed, and find ourselves scattered to the wind. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the example of uh, the people of Israel. We thank you that we Um, can see where they have failed and we can then uh, ask you for help that we don't do the same thing. Father, we ask that you would take our hearts and change them where they are hard, where they are hardened to you, that we would become uh, soft and pliable, willing to do whatever it is that you ask us. And Father, we do ask that you would give us hearts full of compassion and mercy towards one another and hearts that are moved with compassion towards those who are lost all around us. Father, we ask that your word would be great in our eyes and that your name would be wonderful in the eyes of all those who see us. In Jesus' name, amen.